And we're on. So we are. And off to another episode of Where You Are, edited by the brilliant Fox Williams and hosted and created by the even more brilliant Jimmy Ellenberg. I kid, I jest. And there's Dolly. Let's get her away from the cords. <laughs> Come on, She's going to disconnect everything. So today I am sharing an interview that I did with Ashley Kitchens, who teaches English at Jeff State, a community college here in Alabama. So she's a colleague of mine, and I've always admired her from afar and thought that she did really interesting things in the classroom. And so I was able to interview her and talk to her about what she does and also what she does outside of the classroom. She is an aerialist, which I think is so cool. Mm -hmm. How has your day been, Fox? My day's been good. I finished editing this interview a little later than I expected, but it's been a good, quiet day. I think it's very appropriate that I end this day with sharing someone who also teaches English because I have spent the entire day, Sunday, grading, updating my courses, planning, answering emails. You've been a busy bee. I have been very busy today. And one of the things that I talk about with Ashley is how does she balance her life and her work? And basically what she says is that she doesn't, but she's okay with it. But she still manages to maintain a good balance in the sense that she does some amazing things both in and out of work. Exactly. So it doesn't seem to weigh her down. And I guess it doesn't weigh me down. But boy, in, on days like this, when I've been working all day, I tell you what, it is overwhelming. I understand, I believe. But I got a lot accomplished, and I think I did a lot of good things for my students, so, you know. Good. I hope that everyone really enjoys this, because Ashley is really fascinating, and, and she, they have created this museum, now it's online. She and her colleagues, they have a theme every semester, and so culinary will work on the theme, and history works on the theme, and a cooperation between multiple courses to produce some good work. Yeah, yes. it's a it's a huge collaboration. And I love that collaborative effort. It's something I really want to take away from the interview. But I hope that everyone gets something from this interview, whether they're an English teacher or not. And I'm going to stop talking because I feel like I'm so exhausted from grading all day that I'll just say too much. It's a short intro this week, folks. We hope you'll forgive us. Please enjoy Ashley Harlan. Kitchens! Yay! Hey! I've been so excited about this, Ashley. I'm so happy you agreed to do it. Yay! Well, I'm, I was very honored to, um, to be asked. I feel important. Like, I look at all the other people and I'm like, oh, they're, you know, climbing mountains and doing so much good. And I'm, I'm like, oh, well, it's oh, little old me. <laughs> you're a fabulous teacher and you do a lot of cool things outside of that too so thank you i remember the first time i ever saw you at that thing we did at shelton i was just so impressed i didn't even know you but i was so impressed with the way that you carry yourself and the way that everyone who who, who works with you you can tell they have such high regard for you and then as i've gotten to know you a little bit through different training programs and things across the state i really am so impressed i can tell that you're an amazing teacher and I can tell that you are someone who really tries to get the most out of life. That just comes off of you. And I don't even know you that well. But I'm curious, as we get started, how do you see yourself? How close am I to the real Ashley there? Did I get that right? You know, I mean, without sounding super not humble, I, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, I, you know, 
I really try to embrace positivity, right? So I, I really think, and, and I have had my share of obstacles and hardships and things that life has thrown at me that has been, you know, that have been not great, but why waste your time on that kind of stuff? And, and, and I think I really have enjoyed life throughout my whole life. I, you know, I, I, I like to play hard and work hard. And I think I do that with my students as well. Like, you know, I tell them, you know, we're going to, we can have fun and we can do fun things, but when it comes down to it, you know, there's work that needs to be done. But I, I think I do kind of embrace life. And I think, I think I'm a very positive person. And I think I hear other people say similar things about me. So it's nice. How long have you been teaching? I have taught since 2002. So almost 20 years. And I've, I've actually been at Jeff State for almost 20 years. So I, I taught part-time for 10 years while I had really young children. I was a face painter. So I did like the fun, cool face paint. Oh, cool. Um, I did PR before I came to Jeff State. So I was um, doing some kind of contract work. And then Jeff State came along and I started teaching with them part-time for 10 years. And then I've been here full-time for 10 years. So what is your degree in? Well, I have a, a, an undergrad in mass communication. So I was a PR exec in my, my previous life. Right. Um, and then um, I've got an English master's degree. So um, I wanted to be an actress. So just, oh. to, just to throw that out there. <laughs> I did too. I wanted to be an actor. I have a theater degree in my undergrad. Okay. Well, that's, you know, when, when, when I heard you, you say something about theater one time, I was like, oh, Jimmy and I are going to get along really well. So. Yeah. But I figure teaching is kind of like acting. You know, you're in front of people on a daily basis and you're, I feel I'm pretty animated and um, I, I think I, I think I act every day. Now I know what I'm talking about, but of course, you know, I, I add my personality to it. So. so when you were in graduate school, did you have in mind that you would be teaching or did you, were you planning on going into something else? I did want to teach when I, when I started grad school, I had, I'd had a child and in, in the PR business. So I was in, a, in an advertising agency. Being in an advertising agency is fun until you have children. <laughs> and then it's like, woo, you know, I don't mind the all night working and all night partying and whatever. But then when you have a kid, it's like, yeah, not working all night, not doing this. So I, you know, and I love writing. I love the writing aspect uh, of my job there. So I thought, why not bring that into, you know, a teaching aspect? And, and that's one thing, you know, coming from the business sector, I think, you know, you really get a chance to see how some of the things that you're going to be teaching, writing, communication, you can see how that plays in a, in a real life situation. So I kind of did go into it thinking I wanted to teach. I think some of the best teachers are the ones who have a lot of different things in their background. I think that you, your theater, some of the theater stuff, your advertising, that probably all shows up in the classroom. Do you have I hope this doesn't get boring for listeners, although I, I don't think it will, because I really want to talk to you about what you do in the classroom and what is your, if you have a teaching philosophy, do you have a teaching philosophy? Sure. So I guess if, to, to boil it down, it, it would be culturally responsive, right? So I, I really want to equip students to function in today's society. And that can be many things that can be, um, you know, like in a literature classroom, understanding the scope of, you know, diversity and differences in people and their experiences, those kind of things, or it could be in like a comp class where all of my comps, they have choices of essays that they can write. So if, if they need to do a scholarship essay, students can sign up to, to do that one. But if you're not going to do a scholarship, why are you going to write a scholarship essay? You know, that kind of thing. So, right. um, or we can look at, you know, there's several different um, choices, but you know, if you're, if you're not 
going to be doing those things in your life, why do you need to work on that specifically here? So just that notion of functioning, I think that would be in a changing and culturally responsive world. I think that's kind of my main goal, if you will. And I was, I love, I'm like one of those people that likes math and science and reading in English and stuff. So I really like the touchy aspects of the scientific ideal in an English background. So, so a lot of the things maybe that you've heard me talk about that I do in my lit class, experiments and touching and projects and stuff like that, I think come from a love of, of doing and my own kinesthetic I guess, learning uh, style, Um, but students seem to put more into doing something with information than just, you know, listening or, you know, watching, you know, something like that. What was it you were talking about that day about, was it Walden that you, is that about economy? Is that the, yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that again. Yeah. So Walden, I don't, make students read the whole thing because it's really difficult. Um, And it's not one of my favorite pieces either, but there's some just gems within it. And one of the the parts that they had read was about economy. The quote somewhere in there is, you know, it, it, it would take me less time to walk from here to there than it would for you to get your job, get paid, buy a train ticket, et cetera. So what I have the students do is they break up into two different groups or four different groups, whatever. But one half of the groups is going to build houses out of, I've got some little cardstock cut and some straws and marshmallows or whatever. So they have to color the card and put the foundation together. And as they get their houses together, I pay them, you know, cents, five cents, 10 cents, whatever it is. So they have to earn their wage to get in their car to drive around our our little one building campus where the other half, I just let them go ahead and go walking around the campus. So I tell them not to run, you know, you can't like get a head start or whatever, just, just let's see how the, how the experiment works. Well, by the time the kids who have, you know, colored and built houses to earn money to get in their car to then drive around before some of those groups are even leaving, the kids who have walked slowly or regularly are walking back in the classroom. So it's a neat, you know, it's a neat visual for them to see that. I love that. Uh, there's so many of the things that you've mentioned in, in our training thing that we're doing that I just steal outright from you. I'm so, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, well, I think they're really good ideas. And, you know, when you when you come up with something like on your own, you, you're like, ah, I got something I really cool. <laughs> I'm not as creative with coming up with things like that that are kind of kinesthetic or movement oriented. or So I, it's always good for me to hear things like that. I wonder, you were talking earlier, and I've heard you mention this before, that you have students in comp. And a lot of people listening to this can remember taking comp one and comp two, right? In college, you let them choose, I guess, from a selection of essays, one of them being like a scholarship essay. I'm wondering what are some other options that they have? And and is there a sort of popular, there's, is there one that's more popular than others? Yeah. So I, I give them a choice of two theme types. So you've got professional writing and you've got academic writing. Okay. Um, and within those two areas, there's about five different choices. The professional writing, there is the scholarship resume. There's a restaurant blog. Yeah, it's, it's been super fun with that one. There is a company research paper. There is a product research paper. Nice. And then in the academic one, there's a book, TV, or film analysis essay. There is a argument, either rebuttal argument or just plain one-sided argument essay, an ad analysis essay. Mm-hmm. And then they have to do at least one from each category. So if they really don't want to do all the professional writing, maybe they can just choose one and then choose the other ones here. 
And then some have sources and some don't. So they have to have at least X number with sources and X with not sources. So. How does that affect your grading? It's actually made it better because I don't have 800 of the same essay coming in. Now I've got a specific rubric for each type of essay. So especially like the, the blog, obviously I'm not going to be looking at it for where's your introduction with your this and, the, and where right. are your body paragraph topic sentences, you know, those kind of things. It's a, it's a blog. So it has, you know, it has design elements and, and use of different audience kind of ideal. So what we really talk about before they even start the actual essay, they fill out a plan that talks about who their, their audience is. And that's how I'm grading it. So if they say their audience is children, you know, and you're, they're using humor as the tone, then if I get into their blog and it's got little cartoons and they're using funny, young language, that kind of thing that wouldn't be specifically college level or what have you, if they've planned it that way, then there, there's something different about that, right? So, so you're actually, they're actually setting their own goals, right? right? It's helping them really think about audience and purpose. Cause usually, you know, you get in a class, you're like, oh, I'm writing to the teacher. What, what are we, why are we talking about audience? So that kind of thing helps them figure out, hey, well, I am writing toward, you know, my friends and I want them to go to this restaurant, you know, so that's so I'm not going to be like formal right. structure, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, they're going to be fun and, you know, what have you. But now when they're writing the research paper, obviously they understand that they're, they're hitting a different person. I had a kid, a student last semester, write about mass for their, their particular school. So it's a dual enrollment student. She was having a hard time with the way that their board or whatever for their school was whatever they were doing with the mask thing. So she wrote, oh, a proposal. That's what another one is, a, a problem solution proposal. Mm-hmm. So she looked at the problem, the school not doing X, Y, Z with the masks, and then she proposed a solution. So her, you know, her audience was the bo- the school board. So it was really cool. I think that's great. I love to to play around with different audiences as well. I don't, all of my assignments are not that specifically geared to uh, audience. So I love the idea of what you're doing. And I, I wonder when you, do they go through several revisions? Is there just one? And do you offer, in addition to the rubric, are you leaving feedback constantly? Are you seeing drafts? I'm just asking. For yeah, example. sure. I, I've changed different, you know, I, I'm sure you two do the same thing, you know, what works the best, whatever. Well, I've started um, using the term formative assessment um, <laughs> so that, you know, it's like, hey, this is, you know, you're going to get 25 points for, for completing the, the draft. But I will go through and I do like a highlight key, um, you know, grammar or MLA issues, get a yellow color, um, clarity or removal gets a blue, citation issues gets a yellow and green is excellent content. So I just go through and I highlight, highlight, yeah. highlight, highlight. So that's a quick way for me to do that. And, you know, if I really, if there's, if there's real difficulty in, in understanding, I'll, you know, write something at the bottom, you know, hey, think about overall cohesion, well, you know, whatever. So that's their, after they give me that, that's their formative assessment. I can put my eyes on it, but the, we do a peer review with that as well. So I, I tell them that the peer is going to be more specific in pointing out sentences or, you know, things, but I'll just kind of go through quickly to put my eyes on it because ultimately, you know, we want them to be able to, to do this without us. Right. I mean, it's like, you, you don't want to be, but, but I do a formative assessment on everyone and just put a real quick eye on it, especially, you know, when we do new things or if we start using sources and they haven't used sources before that kind of thing right that's what I do so what do you see your role as an English teacher at a community college and in, in 2021 how do you see yourself do you think that you know with everything that's changing so much in education especially with the pandemic and especially with more and more people talking about 
using community colleges more for training for technology and for jobs and, and skills and things like that. Right. Why do you think, or do you think that we as English instructors, why do we matter? And I'm, and I'm not being facetious. I really wonder what you think about that. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and there's, there's so much to be said for people thinking that community colleges are just for workforce training. It is a great place to, to workforce train. If, if you, if you're, if that's what you want to do, and even some of our students who, who are in the, the transfer gen ed track, I, I think some of them actually want or could do a whole lot better in a workforce training field. They just have a mindset or maybe parents have a mindset that you have to go to college. You have to go to college and this is what you're going to do. Well, you know, a lot of people end up wasting their time in that sector, failing classes, that kind of thing. Sure. I think English instructors, particularly in a community college, whether the student is, is taking, sometimes if they take a, a workforce, they have to do like a, at least an English 101. Right. But even if they're going transfer wise, you know, I think English is so important because a lot of people today have lost the art of following directions and communicating. And, and I think those two things really are, I think those two things sit directly on English instructors, especially for comp instructors. And then, you know, lit instructors, I think same thing, you're, you're communicating values, but you're also enabling somebody to explain what they think. Like, so, you know, I, I tell my students when we're reading, you know, I don't like to lecture on, on works because that's my idea. And maybe I've done some research and, and found what critics have thought. And I'm like, ooh, I like this. But I want you to tell me what you think. You know, and I always use this stupid example of, you know, you can tell me Huck Finn is an alien. And people are like, what? Huck Finn's not an alien? I'm saying, well, well he, is in a, he is in a society that's different from him. Like his, his way of thinking is alien to other people. So if you can tell me how that goes along with your thoughts, then that's you. And that's your ability to communicate that you know, and, and just appreciate ideas. And again, reading. Well, so I teach American lit for the most part. I also teach world lit occasionally. I'm not really equipped to teach British lit. I'm just going to admit that up front. But American lit, I'm fascinated by. And I think it's, sometimes I, I vacillate on whether or not we should require lit. Isn't that awful that I'm saying that? <laughs> but but if, if I really do think American lit is so important for our students because it's, so much about who we are as Americans, culturally, historically, what our values are. But over the years, as things change, I have thought a lot about the reading selections in the course, even including uh, Huck Finn, which I love, by the way, and I love teaching and I still do. But there's problematic language in it, especially when you're teaching online. You're not able to mitigate as much. Right. I have included some probably... Uh, questionable choices in American Lit too, especially. I had my students read Fight Club one time when I was working at Marion Military because it was a lot of alpha folks, alpha men and women, you know, and yes. Yes. and folks, and they, they loved reading it. And we've talked about parallels between that and Huck Finn. Mm -hmm. So I wonder what you think about our canon, what readings work really well in your classes, what, which ones are your favorite, that kind of thing. Okay. So I primarily teach American Lit as well. And really it's because I teach at a smaller campus. For some reason, students are scared of British literature. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, I think I taught a, a Brit Lit uh, class one time on this campus. And I mean, it was a small class, but, and I asked them, I was like, 
did you take this class because it was at the time you needed or because you wanted to take it? And they were like, I wanted to take the American Lit, but this was the only time I could come. But and I'm fascinated and I love early Brit Lit. So that's that's the class I taught Brit Lit one. Love Beowulf, love Sir Gowan oh, and Green Knight. I do like author. those too. Oh, don't um, get me into the Arthurian legend. I love all that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. And and it was and and students when they realized like, oh, this is kind of like Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones. <laughs> I mean, they were like, yeah. So American Lit, and, and I have always not done what like everybody else has done. And there are, I mean, obviously staple stories in American Lit, but like I hate teaching like A Rose for Emily and, you know, the, I, just the things that- I don't that, teach that either. Yeah, like, ugh, I don't even want to look at that. Now I do look at, you know, I, I try to, you know, get some eras and stuff, but, but the thing is I, I really- I always have a project-based reading, and it's always something very different. So it's I have never done the same project reading ever. We we do a museum based on the theme of the project. Um, so you like, a museum. Do what now? You create a museum. Yeah. So we've done now since COVID has happened, we have made a um, digital museum. So I'll have to give you the um, URL for that, and it's and it's connected our speech and debate team, our culinary people played last fall. History usually does it. It's a digital museum now, but what my colleague, David McRae, who's history teacher and I have done for since 2016, every fall and spring, we pick a theme and we'll do history projects and literature projects and have it the halls of our our campus here. And so it's like a museum that people can actually go and look at and that kind of thing. So we're really proud of that, but that, that kind of changes. And that's, that allows me to bring in different works that normally wouldn't be in the, the canon that's, you know, normal or standardized or what have you. Oh, and oh, I used to do, we, we did a, I love Margaret Atwood. We did a one semester of my class did, they made, we made our own book. Show me. <laughs> the oh alias handmade. So the kids, we made it into a little book and the students um, for their, their last day, they, signed their names by their paper. It's a collection of essays. It's a collection of their essays. Half the class read the alias, um, alias Grace, and the other half of the class read The Handmaid's Tale, and they did essays on that. That, That's one of the things I've done. Well, I've actually done three books. I did another one on William Byrd. He's a weirdo. (laughs) Um, he, He had some, he had a diary that was like, he was super weird. Look at, look at William Byrd's secret diaries and he did some like the history of yeah the history of virginia the line dividing line of virginia whatever we did a native american one. Oh yeah so um, you know what i'm going to come back to you because i want to i'm going to i have much more to ask you about this museum but yeah. this semester i was really in american lit one i wanted to do more native american lit okay so i found this great video from i can't remember the series but it's it's a collection of it's about 30 minutes of a video of famous people like uh, N. Scott Day and famous Native American writers and, okay. and, and scholars talking about Native American literature in a video that my students watch. And then we read some of the stuff in the Norton, which is, they don't have a lot, you know, it's creation myth this and creation right. myth that. Right. But then I found this book by, it's right over there, oh, Tommy Orange okay. called There, There. It's a contemporary novel that won a lot of awards and I read it last semester on my own and included it, even though it's contemporary, I thought how great, because in his prologue to the novel, he does this whole history of Native Americans, like this very searing indictment of of our culture and how Native Americans have been treated. And then he starts his novel, which is told from the point of view of about 16 different characters, Native Americans. Okay. And uh, I had my students read that 
in that Native American section, and this is online. Okay. But I really think they read this novel because they would, in their responses and discussions, would really bring up things that thoughtful. You know, so I really enjoyed that. I love that. You, so the book, y'all that are listening, that she just held up, that they that her class where it was a Native American compilation, right? Yeah, they they did. They got to look at different types of tales. So some of yeah. them looked at. They just uh, I think they each uh, they had they worked in groups and they chose a different like Native American tribe and looked at stories from those tribes right. and then wrote stuff on that. I love talking with students about about the continuity, the thread of time and culture and legacies of things because it, it this all stems from you know how a lot of people think. I think especially white people think that that oh slavery happened back then or you know whatever it were Native American that was back then and it's all over now and we just if we I've had students say to me if we just stop talking about it if you're if somebody told me one time if your generation us me would stop right. talking about it we don't care anymore well that's right that's not true we've seen no. No. so I love to be able to tie things from the past to the present yeah and yep. that's sort of why I chose a modern contemporary novel. And I had another point that I forgot because I'm so old, but <laughs> I want to go back to your museum. So now that you're having to do it digitally, you have a, you have an on like a website or, a, or is it yeah. or something? Or? So it's housed on our library website. Um, it's library.jeffersonstate.edu, I guess, front slash JSCC, all caps, dash digital dash museum. And it is last, so last semester was the first semester that we went virtual with it or what have you. We did pirates. Oh, fun. So, yeah. So, you know, I found this really lame romantic novel called Fanny Campbell, the female pirate captain. And I've <laughs> never taught this story. I, you know, I just happened to, I was looking up cause I was like, I want to do pirates, you know, as the theme or whatever. And I was thinking, what in the world is an early America? Cause it was American lit one. And I was like, what kind of pirate story am I going to do for American lit? You know, because you could do some stuff with Brit lit, you know, later Brit lit with all sorts of fun pirate stories. So I was looking and I found this one. It was some random little book by this random author, Matron Murray Ballou, you know, like 70 pages. But it is a truly romantic story. Like it is, if, if you had a list of what romanticism was, it like checks every box. Nice. So it's, it's this female pirate captain She's just a sweet little girl, whatever, in the town. And her love gets captured and she goes to save him, but she gets on this, uh, this ship dressed as a man. So it's, you know, cross-dressing. She becomes the pirate captain. Phenomenal. And it's funny you said about your students that really started typing their discussions. Well, one of the things I did for this project, I had a discussion. It was, I, was, I told the kids, I was like, these are really low stakes assignments. This is really just for you to flesh out some ideas on your project. And these were five point discussion questions. And there were like four of them through the points of the novel. I tell these kids, I said, just, you know, put enough to get five points. But, you know, I really want to, this would be taking the place of discussion in class. And if you have questions so that you can understand, I had people writing five and six paragraphs in these discussions. And I was like, are y'all really reading this? Like, oh, you know, and of course I, I write back because I'm just a dork and I'm like, oh, I love your idea. This is, fun. you know, so then I'd have them write back to me after that. And I thought this is like a real class. <laughs> oh my God, I loved it. But yeah, so we did, we did, um, we did this pirate captain book. One of my colleagues, Kristen Henderson, she participated with one of her classes and they did PowerPoint slides. My class did something called ThingLink. It's a really cool program that lets you have a picture and then you can put blinking icons. And when you click on the icon, it can bring up 
pictures or sound or movies or you know words whatever if you look at the the museum you can see it but yeah I got and and I'm the world's worst at bugging somebody to to death to to participate in things so <laughs> I, you know I emailed culinary because I love our culinary department and oh, and wow. we're really good friends so I'm like please do something pirate like make some chocolate <laughs> coins or something do they they he gave me a picture their class made a treasure box of chocolate with like truffles it, it, it describes oh, it on the on the museum so they made and like it's got brown sugar under it for like sand so they took this picture of this cool chocolate truffle treasure chest and then our speech and debate team they put together um some of their students did a debate on who the best pirate is <laughs> so it was like resolved long john silver is the best pirate ever you know so they had the, the both sides and it, it was like a 30 minute debate so we have that on it's a youtube on there our history professor wasn't able to participate this past fall but this semester we're doing mysteries and oddities of the world so um It'll, it'll be, the new museum will be up in April. Right now, it'll still be digital, right? Yes, it'll be at the same location. And what happens is like what she put on there, we've got archives so you can actually see, because I, I got the newspaper to come every semester we did it to come take pictures or whatever. So they've got a, each of the little archive sections on fall and spring um, of the different years will tell what the theme was. And then there's the news article and a couple of pictures on some of them, but the whatever will just be archived you know, down under it when the new, the new section comes out. You know, when, as you talk and as I listen to you, I I just feel a very kindred spirit with you because I also get really excited about what I do and I don't like to do the same thing every semester. And I'm always concerned about creating project. You know, one time when I was teaching at another school at Marion, it was not too far from Moundville. I told my lit students that they, their project was you could do anything you want. You can you can plan a trip. You can, I mean, it could have been anything. We had all these options. And one group of my students planned a guided tour at Moundville. They got the guy from the University of Alabama who worked in the archaeology department to come. And, and we even got to throw those atlatls. I don't know if you, you ever. Yeah. Yep. We did all kinds, but it was a trip. They, they even got the, the school bus, like they did all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I enjoy doing things like that. It's harder though for me once when I was at Marion, that was almost everybody lived on campus because they're, okay. they're cadets and they live in the whatever the I forget. the. So they're trapped with you. Yeah, <laughs> they love going out and doing. we could go to the High Museum in Atlanta. We could go to the Birmingham Museum. But at a community college like where I am now, you know, people are working. They've got kids. They've got this. It's hard to do like I love field trips, but it's hard to do things like that. You know, it's hard to get people. We don't even have a lot of people on campus at one time. I wonder what the culture is like. The long way of getting to this question, Ashley, is how do you stay so excited? And what is it sounds like you have a great culture there. Um, What is it like there? So I'm at the Clanton campus of Jeff State. So we, you know, overall, Jeff State has between you know, eight and 10,000 students, depending on COVID and whatever else. Right. (laughs) So our campus is in Chilton County, obviously. And uh, we have between, and again, depending on the registration, have between six and 800 students. So we're, we're like a little family here, right? So it's funny that you talk about field trips because I I usually take my American Lit 2 classes to the EJI in Montgomery, the Equal Justice Initiative. So we've done that. We were actually going to go to Moundville the, the semester that we did the Native American theme but something happened or it didn't come out. I've taken students 
me and another instructor have taken students to Alabama Shakespeare Festival when they had um, they had a, one of the blues plays. And I think we were talking, you know, Harlem Renaissance connection, that kind of thing. I think our campus and not not anything about the other campuses, I think it's just because of the small size that we have and maybe just my love for life. Like I want to share stuff for, with students and, and if students don't want to do it because they have other things, you know, I, I completely understand. It's funny. I was talking to a colleague today where we were like, I wonder how it's going to change when they actually come back on campus. And, you know, but we, we always have something going on here. Work hard, play hard. You know, we'll, we have every, every holiday we, you know, we, we do a huge um, dress up for Halloween. Um, so like all of the instructors are dressed up. We've got students that come dressed up. We do a party, um, you know, Christmas we do, uh, hot cocoa things. We've done little find the turkey, you know, and get a turkey dinner kind of thing. And, and this all really is due to my faculty who donate money and, and me, obviously. But, you know, I mean, you know, we, we, we really give back to the students because I think all of us are here. And, you know, if somebody wants to argue with me, that's fine. But all, all of the people that are teaching at this campus, I think this is a calling for them. It's not just I'm a teacher. I like to teach that kind of thing. It's like these, these students are really my I don't want to say charity, they're not my charity, but they're, they're my organization that I support. Right. And I, I think that, you know, helping these kids have a good time in a college atmosphere. And that's another thing with community colleges, right? Like they don't have the big, like, oh, I'm not at Auburn or Alabama and I can't do all the fun, you know, sorority and fraternity and blah, blah, blah. But by God, we have some fun at Clanton. So you do. What was it? Wasn't it you? This is before I knew you very well. And my memory of it comes from an email don't you have either, is it through SKD? Maybe you have that thing you do every year where it's. Um... Pioneer Con. Yes. What? Now tell me about that. Cause that's interesting. So, yeah. So this is, I guess um, we just finished our, and of course we did it virtually in October last year. I guess this would be, this year coming up will be our fifth year to do this. Um, so this was the brainchild of Katie Boyer, who is one of our instructors at the Jefferson campus. It came together. So we wanted to do kind of, it's like a, like a, a Comic-Con kind of thing, right? So um, just a dorky English, you know, whatever, but with students and, and faculty who present. So we have, I mean, it's usually a day at the Shelby campus when we have, you know, we have a game room where they're, you know, gamers who, you know, you can go do that kind of stuff. People dress up in cosplay or whatever, sci-fi. We've had Wonder Woman come in, whatever. Mm-hmm. We usually do a little face paint. And then we have students and faculty who present sessions, you know, um, based on, you know, more kind of sci-fi type things. And then we have an author come in, which is usually kind of in conjunction with, uh, we have Red Mountain Reading Series. So we have an author come in probably three or four times a year. So that author is usually around that time um, and do kind of a keynote. And then, you know, they, he or she has his or her books out there to buy or what have you. So, you know, I've, I dress up every year for that. I just like to dress up again, wanted to be an actress. Have you ever seen the the show Community? Yes. Okay, so I would be the dean, except <laughs> not creepy and weird yeah. with students. <laughs> I think that Pioneer Pioneer Con, that's what it's called, right? Uh-huh. That is so exciting to me. I love that you do things like that. What is the Red Mountain Reading Series? It is supported by SKD and probably the English department. I don't know. But we bring in about four times a year, maybe five or six, I don't know, depending on how many people we can get. Um, an author author comes and um, sometimes does both a, like a discussion, like a seminar and here's some readings. And then sometimes he or she will stay the next day for like a creative writing seminar kind of thing and students sign up for it. We actually just had one yesterday and it was obviously on Zoom because, um, you know, 
COVID. And um, what is his name? William. He was in New Orleans. William Miller. So William Miller is, he's a poet and he has written, he writes a lot of historical poetry. He discussed his family's different background and history and his background and history. And he's in New Orleans and he's got a new book of poetry. He was so phenomenal. Um, I think I've decided that my next professional development trip is going to be to New Orleans to do a literary tour with him. So, um, you know. How do you find the writers for your Red Mountain Reading Series? Um, well, and that's that's all Katie Boyer. So she she is a creative writer herself. So she's got a couple of connections, Alabama Writers Forum, those kind of things. So she she really finds those connections. And then we have a lot of a lot of our faculty are creative writers and have been published in different journals. So they have kind of connections yeah. um, outside, and a lot of them bring those people in. Is um, there a cost to that, or are these got are these people volunteering or? I think we probably give them an honorarium. It's not a cost to the students or the, the community members that want to participate. Now, I think they usually reserve the workshops for students and or faculty, but the, the sessions are usually open to general public. I think that the amount of culture, and I don't mean that in like the, you know, pinky up, you know, kind of way, but the amount of rich experiences and culture and things that community colleges and especially that a program like yours and a, and a campus like yours can bring to students. I think that's so, so important. I love what you're doing. I want to branch out a little bit to talk about something that I think is really cool about you. Yeah. And, and I know this from Facebook. You are an aerialist. Is I that like what you call it? Yes. How did you get into that? And just tell me about that. I like to grab life by the horns, right? So, and I like to do different things. So I used to belly dance. And that, so that was my like thing of the, of the <laughs> five year span. I did it, whatever. And the, the lady that taught, she moved and I was like, okay, well, I'm not, you know, not trying to be a belly dancer or whatever. <laughs> um, so I was thinking, well, what can I get into? And uh, actually a friend of mine was like, hey, I hear there's a, a aerial silks class over, it's right around the corner from where I live at a gymnastics um, studio. And I was like, ooh, okay, let's do it. Well, my friend ended up not, um, not being able to come the night that we went, but I went and I was like, yeah, this is me. <laughs> So I started with the silk and it's, you know, it's a silk tied up 60 feet in the, in the air, you know, two things and climb and do fun stuff. And then, so I guess that was about four years ago. And then about a year and a half ago, they brought Lyra to the gym as well. And Lyra is a hoop. So it's like the metal hoop. And that, that, that is my love. I like both of them, but hoop is my thing. I think I saw a video of you practicing that or something one day. Yeah, we have, you know, we, we have like showcases, long as this old person doing like routines, you know, I oh. mean, <laughs> it's really fun. And it's, you know, I, I look like I've had to, I had um, some surgery at, at the beginning of the year and I had to tell the nurse, you know, she was putting my little socks on and I, um, I also do pole. So I, I just, I'm, I'm bruised to, <laughs> from head to foot because I'm, I'm on metal all the time. And, and she, she pulled up my little uh, you know, blanket. And, uh, she looked at me and she said, hon. And I said, let me, let me tell you let something, tell you, something. And, you know, my husband's sitting right there and I was like, he does not, he does not be, which made me feel really good about like if a nurse actually yes. had seen that. So I was like, she said, do you have pictures? I said, of course I have pictures, you know, so I'm showing her all my pictures and she's like, oh. it's really fun. So it's, it's different and it's neat. And I feel like I've joined the circus. So I think that is so cool. Yeah. Um, if I asked your 
husband and your you have two kids uh-huh I do if I ask them you know what is your wife like what is your mother like what would they say about you um probably all the above I mean I'm not I'm not a different person you know because some people have to be different with their children which you know understandably sometimes people don't want to showcase different things of their children but I you know I'm, I'm proud of who I am um, I'm proud of the strength that the the activities that I do um, has has shown in me you know I'm proud of the strength that it has given me my son came in the other day and I've lost I've lost 35 pounds since since COVID and I wasn't trying to diet or whatever it was just when you lift in your own 175 pound body weight every day um, <laughs> you know you start looking toned um, yeah. <laughs> so um, he came in and he's 20 and he's like total like country boy <laughs> you know he's not like he's not on fashion point or whatever but he's like well mom you're looking real good and I was like <laughs> but um but yeah we you know we we have a good time um and and I'm you know I'm not of the mindset you know to where I need to hide from my daughter different things I do and again I'm not pole dancing which there's no problem with that but you know some people have a, a real stigma yeah, around yeah. that but they are some of the strongest women slash men, whatever that I have ever met. And to aspire to be, you know, that kind of strength is just incredible. But she, we, we were open and, and I'm just so random. I was sewing a snake one morning. Cause I, I don't know, we were doing, I think I had that, we were doing Harry Potter. Harry Potter was the <laughs> Halloween theme here. So I was stuffing just a long, and I don't sew. I am not a good sewer. <laughs> But I can sort of stitch something together. So I was sewing a snake together and my son woke up. It was a Saturday morning, whatever, years ago. And he got it. He's like, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm sewing and stuffing a snake. And he said, of course you are. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> you well, know. One of the things, and we're about to wrap it up. I know you're like, when is this going to end? But no, this is great. I'm having a great time. Um, selfishly, I wonder when I hear you talk, I think how in the world, because I know like, okay, think about Jill Biden, who is a community college English teacher like us, mm-hmm. who I heard is still teaching a class from the White House. And I'm sitting there going, how in the world is she doing her first lady duties and doing what we do? And then when I hear you though, I'm like, because I think of myself, I maybe I have a bad work-life balance, but so, I work a lot at home. Like I'm yeah. grading papers on the weekend, I'm da-da-da-da-da, whatever. I'm constantly thinking about my courses, even when I shouldn't be. And I think, I mean, I still have fun. I, I'm not an aerialist, right. but I still have fun. Um, I mean, you could come try. I could try. <laughs> um, but I wonder, you seem so exuberant and, and like genuinely joyful. How do you maintain that and your work? Like, how do you keep that balance? It's not drugs. I, can tell you that. <laughs> I am on zero drugs because I, I bet it would look like this. But, you, you know, it's funny. My, my colleague, Jamie King, and I, you know, we'll be, uh, you know, teams, Microsoft Teams. You can be in touch with anybody anytime, anywhere. <laughs> so I have, a you know, my computer at home. Teams is just up just because it's there. I don't know. But, you know, I'll, I'll be working in, in my little workout room. My computer's in there. And, you know, we'll be, we'll be on at the same time. So I'll be working. Or I'll just get some random idea. And I think it's, again, because I'm a dork and I just love ideas. And I'm like, if something hits me or if I want to write something or whatever, I go in, I'm like, typey, typey, typey. And so I do not have a work-life balance other than I do a whole lot of stuff all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind um, of gathering that, but it doesn't yeah. seem to weigh on you. Yeah. I, you know, and I don't know why. I, I think 
you know, on the days like there, there've been a couple of Saturdays recently that have been just dark and gloomy and sad. And, you know, you can't be outside and doing, you know, whatever. And, and I've, I've actually taken a couple of Saturdays to like not do papers or whatever. I'm like, not going to work today. But then I just sit there and I'm like, what am I doing? You know, and I feel, you know, so by the end of the day, I'm like, I've done nothing. And that just makes me feel a little crazy. So I, I think, I think my sanity lies in chaos. Okay. That's good <laughs> for you. Yeah. I don't, but you don't come across as chaotic at all. It seems like you just, everything's connected somehow for you. I've got you fooled then. Well, you know, one of the things though that happens for me is I think there's this, there, I think there's a little bit of resentment about having so much work. Like, so I, even though I really love what I do and I was in retail before this. So trust me, I love what I do. Yeah. I was in retail management and I, you know, I felt like I was like shrinking up and shriveling up yeah. and I went back to grad school at 32 or 33. And then now I teach oh. and I love it. Like I, I really love teaching, but there are still other, there are other things. Again, I don't want to be an aerialist, but I want to write more. I want, there are a lot of other things I want to do. Right. Somehow you're able to do them all. <laughs> well, and I think sometimes like so, you know, the, the academic stuff that I want to do for myself and like, I would love to go back and get a PhD in English, but I would have to quit my job because I'm, I'm a perfectionist. So I would want to really put my all into that. So instead of, or where I can put that, like, so I write the assignments that my students do. Like, so I'm writing one, so I can show them, Hey, here's an example. You know, obviously it's me writing. So, and maybe I'd do a horrible job. I don't know. I think they're pretty good writing, um, but you know, and I tell them, obviously this is my example, but I wanted, you know, I want to show you what it could look like, what you can do with this, that kind of thing. And that kind of gives me an outlet to do, you know, the things that I sort of want to do personally, you know, academically, or if I want to research something, that kind of thing. I think putting that part of me into the, the work aspect, I, I think that that works a little bit. That's and then the fun stuff, you know, again, I, I, I probably stay here too much and, and then I probably work at home too much, but then like, usually it's, it's doing extra fun stuff for, for students, you know, and, and I say fun, some of that's academic too, but it's fun for me. <laughs> I don't know. I would be really bored if I just kind of sat around now, not to say that that's not really fun to do, but no, I'm with you. I don't get resentful or bitter about not having time to sit around. Cause I don't really like sitting around either. I do take Saturdays now. I do not do anything. I mean, I don't do anything related to work. What I end up normally doing is I, I love going to thrift stores and to, and, to, and to antique malls and I mask up and I go. I know I, people, people may judge me, but I do mask up and I go and, I'm, and I love it. But yeah, probably a lot of the things that I get resentful for is really me resenting myself for not doing them and making excuses. <laughs> Um, well, and it's hard to, it's hard to, you know, one of the things that I, I think nobody's ever going to appreciate you as much as maybe you think that you should be appreciated. Yeah. And not that I think I'm so great, but like, I have really learned to depend on myself to give more of the appreciation that way. That makes me feel good. Like when, you know, the things I do for my employees and, and people here and students, makes me feel good. So I don't have to have somebody telling me this and this and this, because it does get like, you know, and, and a lot of people treat community colleges at a school college as a business. And it is a business. I get you. But if you can't on that personal level, 
tell somebody thank you or, you know, hey, that's really cool or, you know, stuff like that. And it doesn't have to be a superior. I mean, and I think that's, again, one of the things we've got going really well here at Clanton. You know, we're all in different subject areas, but we're all really interested in what each other's doing and helping each other and lifting each other up. And I think that can help take that negativity away, which sometimes gets clouded from, you know, this didn't happen in here or, you know, this kind of stuff's going on here. And it's people who don't understand what we go through or do you know, it's, it's difficult, but you know, I will they don't say know that one of the reasons I started doing the podcast, like two years ago now, I oh. went, I took a class on podcasting oh. through UAB art play and Fox took it with me and he's my editor. Okay. He, he does all the hard work. <laughs> um, but I have, I feel more alive and interested and involved through the podcast by celebrating other people like I really like to have people on who are doing interesting things and and for the most part just listen you know Uh, so but it's I've been really selfishly looking forward to this because we do the same thing for career and I I really hope that we have an opportunity I hope I have an opportunity to learn more from you beyond this and beyond the training thing that we're doing I'd love to work with you and learn more from you. And I don't think that I'm a complete novice or anything. I think I'm doing right. some things too, but I think that you're, you're at the top of your game. And I wonder how you feel about like, maybe we should create some sort of statewide position for you, Ashley, where you, you train at least English folks yeah. on what you're doing in the classroom. Would you be up for that? I would love that. You know, I mean, now it, it would take me out of the classroom and that that I would hate a lot. But one again, one of the things that we really do well at Jeff State's English department particularly, and I think it's because we really push for this, but we really do a good job collaborating. The two full-timers here and even the part-timers that work with us at Clanton, we, we bring them in to, I mean, we talk about things and we, you know, try to get ideas from each other. We do something in the summer called You Write. It's using worthwhile resources in teaching English. I have asked them to change that E to everything because I think every, I mean, writing across the genres is a a huge thing. But we have, and like I said, David McRae, my history instructor who, you know, we collaborate on the museum. I mean, it's just, it's a good atmosphere. I don't want to say it's because of me, but I I am a catalyst in in like, hey guys, aren't we going to do that? Aren't we going to do that? Aren't we going to do that kind of thing? Um, So it's me bugging the crap out of somebody, (laughs) but, but it's an enjoyable collaboration. And I I mean, I've done a bunch of professional development for Jeff State as a whole. Now, how many people have attended them? Not so much, but um, they, you know, then I hear people like, well, I would have liked to have I do an escape game. So I love escape games too. So I made an escape game for my 098 class, which I then changed into one for my lit class. Students love it. Like it's literally a box that's locked and they have to get in lower and lower and lower and get out. You know, I've got locks on the classroom door and they can't leave until they get out. (laughs) We did a, I did a professional development on it. Then I get somebody like, I really love you to do a professional, like, you know, there, it it was there, you know. (laughs) Exactly. I don't know. I think, I think a bunch of English folks, I think, those of us who were, um, you know, amenable to, to listening. Cause I know some people are like, I don't want to change. I like what I do. I've got my system and, and that's totally cool. You know, I mean, you're there to teach and make sure that they write four papers or six papers or whatever you write and then you get out. But um, I think it makes it more enjoyable when you have people okay. that really 
really get into it, I, I've seen a difference there. So it would be really cool, um, you know, to, to get together and do that. We, um, so, okay, I may want to invite you to this too, but we, a group of us that did the, the we did a witch museum, not last fall, but. I'm falling further in love with you, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> so 2019, fall 2019, we were doing witch. Witch was the theme. So uh, my students read a couple of kind of witchy things. The history group did large uh, overall, you know, witch trials or certain people who were considered witches, you know, just all sorts of stuff. So I was like, why don't we plan a develop professional development to Salem? We went to Salem and did the Witch Museum. And, and this, this was a group of colleagues. It wasn't students. Yeah. Um, at first I was like, ooh, that'd be a fun field trip. Maybe students would want to come. And then I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not taking students. But it was me and a, and a nursing instructor and a biology instructor and my history instructor and another English instructor and me. And we got a, an Airbnb in the heart of Salem. And we went and we, I mean, we got up at 8 a.m. And we were gone. I mean, we were doing museums and learning all day and we stayed a weekend but that was the best professional development I have ever been to and we yeah. and we set up a meeting with the Boston Arch Architectural College so we went and saw you know kind of what they were doing it was incredible we did a professional development on it too just in case anybody wanted to know yeah because I mean, we got money to go do it yeah. so I didn't you know it was like hey this is how we're going to disseminate the information and we did a, a professional development on it but it's so phenomenal and then, of course, we were we were supposed to go to St. Augustine last fall. So we were booked in November for St. Augustine for pirates. So we were going to do right. some sort of pirate fun in St. Augustine, maybe check out the rum. <laughs> but it obviously it got canceled because yeah. of COVID. So um, when we were talking to uh, Mr. Miller yesterday, William Miller, he's he's in New Orleans and he was going on. He said something like, uh, well, if you ever need anything from me, and I literally, I was like on the chat, I was like, I want to take a field trip down to your place. And and the and Katie, who was hosting, Katie Boyer, who was hosting, said, one of my colleagues wants to come down. And he was like, please come. To, I was like, oh, <laughs> this is our this is our next professional. Event. And he's going to take us on a literary tour and do X, Y, Z. So NOLA, maybe spring or fall of 2022. Hey, I think that's awesome. I'll, well, I'll keep in touch with you. Please do. I have really enjoyed talking with you. I'm going to officially end this interview. I'm going to stop recording in just a second. But I want to okay. say one thing to you off the record. Okay. Um, so thank you so much, Ashley. Thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate it. Where You Are was created by Jimmy Ellenberg and edited by Fox Williams. Our intro is Small Piano from the Ant Hill album by Patricia Taxon. All music was used with permission. The views expressed in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution for which I have ever worked or will ever work. Thanks for listening. Have a nice day wherever you are. <laughs>